Good morning, wonderful to see you. Uh, welcome to everybody watching online. So glad uh, you're booking up for Focus. There's three, three and a bit, four weeks away. Uh, looking forward to it as well. Uh, can you believe that Sam and I have been pastors here for almost a year? Oh, um, anyway, uh, we're, we're, we're loving it. And uh, the thing that I'm enjoying most is getting to know uh, the church, the people, you, and as many of you as we possibly can. And the greatest privilege of being part of a church family uh, like we are is to journey through life alongside one another in the highs and lows of life, uh, because that's the nature of the journey of life, isn't it? So in the room today and online, there'll be some of us who are up, because there'll be people here who've, I don't know, got a great success at work, or everything's content and happy uh, relationally or at home. And uh, all is well with my world. And then, of course, there'll be others who are at the same moment where life is harder. Uh, I know of people here who've had a sudden bereavement uh, to a close friend or family, or people who've lost a job, or for whom the financial challenges just now are very, very real. And for none of us, life is just plain sailing. But I think that when you're a Christian in some ways as an added complexity, because when life is difficult, it can also cause us to question our faith. You know, if God is so loving and powerful, then what are you doing to me, God? Why are you allowing this? How long is it going to be till I get through into an easier time? And it can almost cause a, a crisis of faith. And what I want to do today is give you a framework for how to process tough times in your life. And the reason why I've chosen to do this this Sunday at the beginning of July is because I think the summer months, July and August, in the rhythm of our church life here, are often good times just to draw back a little bit and do some work kind of on ourselves uh, some of the inner life, if you like. Uh, for some of you, I know that you'll be taking over the next couple of months a little bit of vacation or some time away from just the normal activity of your day-to-day. -day. Uh, for some of the, all of us, I guess, you know, there's longer days, uh, longer evenings, longer mornings. And focus is a time as a church family where we draw away. And one of the things about focus I've always found is that as I give space to God, he always works in me as well. He speaks to me. Uh, I meet him in that place. So that's why I wanted to talk to you about this. Uh, maybe it's not relevant for you right now. You know, maybe all is going swimmingly in your life. And uh, forgive me if I'm wasting your time for 20 minutes, but maybe you'll be able to tuck it away for a tough time. Or maybe you'll be able to help somebody else who is going through a challenge at times like this. So whatever it is, this is what I want to talk about. And it's borrowed from Pete Schizero, his work called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And it's called Journey Through the Wall. And basically what this model is that I'm going to teach you um, shows this as stages of faith that we all go through as Christians. And so it begins with a new relationship here when we become a Christian. And then it travels through the second stage, which is learning, or sometimes it's called discipleship. 
The stage where we begin to develop this new relationship with God, maybe praying or reading the Bible or joining the church, a community. And then the next stage is activity. We begin to do things for God. Maybe we begin to find a place of serving in a church or find an area of ministry that we're passionate about as we develop this relationship. And then, and this is what I want to talk about, we hit this thing here often called the wall. And what happens at the wall is that we've been going along in our Christian lives, learning about God, developing a relationship, doing things for God, and we hit something that happens in our lives that causes a, a, a crisis of faith. Maybe something happens at work or in our relationship or something breaks down and it causes us to question what is God doing and particularly why does God seem distant in these times? What's happening to me and why the pain? I thought being a Christian was going to be love, joy and peace forevermore but now I've hit a wall and it's not and a lot of people never get through the wall. They either go back into activity and just go through the motions of being a Christian you know, I'm sure I'm meant to just grit my teeth and maybe just do it. Or they bomb out altogether because faith isn't working. But if you can see yourself through the wall, you develop an inner and then an outer journey. And the inner journey is that you go deeper in your life with Christ. And you begin to do these things as an outer journey, the same kind of activity and discipleship and relationship that you had on this side of the wall but it comes from a different place. It comes from a deeper place, a more trusting place. It's less fragile and fickle. It has a resilience and a deeper trust because of what you've experienced. And then finally, you end up in the final stage of faith, which is transformation. John Wesley said that the goal of our faith is to become perfect in love to be able to be the kind of human beings who are able to fully receive all of God's love for us and then to be able to love him back and to overflow with his love to the people around us. And these stages of faith and this one in particular, the wall, that's what I want us to talk about. Because the key to understanding how you get through the journey at the wall at this point is to understand the cross. You see, the cross is not just the symbol of our faith. That somehow, yes, I know about the cross. It's where Jesus died for me and forgave me all my sins so I could start this relationship. The key is to understand that the cross is not just a symbol, the one son for all time, event, but it is also the pattern of our lives, that our whole life is made up of a series of crosses that we encounter, and then if we get through them, risings, cross and resurrection, deaths and resurrection. That's why Jesus says, if anyone wants to follow me, he says, you must take up your cross daily. Why uh, the Apostle Paul says this, I want to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection, 
but also his participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection. In other words, what Paul is saying is that he is going to pattern his life. He is going to do life as an approach that takes this cycle to mind. That he's going to see his life as a whole series of deaths and resurrections, of dyings and risings, of journeys through the wall. See, something is happening to you in this place that is not possible to happen in you at any of these other stages. That in this place, if you will stick with the program, you will learn a deeper inner journey that will propel you towards the kind of Christian life that is perfect in love and begins to become more and more the kind of people conformed to the image of Christ that he saved you to be. We think it's the worst being here. It could actually be the best because of the kind of people it's making us into. It's why James in the New Testament, he says that trials and tribulations and troubles, he says they're given so that you may finish perseverance because perseverance in us is necessary to make us complete and mature. So what we'll do for a few minutes this morning, shall we, is workshop this a little bit. We don't need to say it out loud, but I wonder whether around the church today and online, you can identify the wall that you're at or the cross that you feel that you've hit or encountered. Maybe something in your recent past, but something about you that is just really uncomfortable right now. Something that is causing you to feel distant from God and wondering where he is in all this. Something that's great, challenging, and painful for you. Has everyone got one? Some of you are saying, I got 15, Archie. <laughs> okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to take this, this thing that you've identified, this place that you've hit here, and we're going to identify it with Jesus on the cross before his resurrection. And when Jesus was on the cross, he faced two particular temptations. And they are the two temptations that we all face when we are in a tough time, when we hit the wall. And let me read to you Mark's account, Gospel of Mark, his account of Jesus on the cross and see whether you can spot these temptations. It says that they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And there they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. 
In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Then a few verses later, it says this about Jesus at the cross. But some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger and of Joseph, and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. When Jesus is at the cross, he faces two temptations. And they are the same two temptations that you and I face when we are at the wall, when we encounter a difficult time in our faith. Numbing and jumping. Numbing and jumping. It says that Jesus was offered, it says, wine mixed with myrrh. That's a kind of morphine to take the pain that he was experiencing away, to take the edge off the pain. But he says he didn't take it. This is the temptation that you and I face whenever we are in pain in our lives, is to numb, to reach for something that will numb the pain. For some people, it's alcohol or other substance misuse. For some, it's pornography. For some, it's much more simple than that. It's like, I don't know, keeping very busy so that you never have time to stop and feel and look at what's going on really. For others, it can be, uh, I can be guilty of this. I take the age off by, I just reach for a phone and endlessly scroll through social media, something which will distract me, something to escape from a moment from what I'm feeling, something that will numb. The second temptation that Jesus faces, which is the one that we all face when we hit a wall, is to jump. Because the people around him, the passers-by, saying, you know, if you can build the temple in three days, then why don't you save yourself? Jump off the cross. And then the chief priests and the teachers of the law, they say to him, save yourself now. Come down from the cross now. And be sure that Jesus could have done this. He could have taken things into his own hands. They say that the greatest miracle of Jesus is the resurrection. But the second greatest miracle that Jesus did was to stay on the cross, to stay hanging on the cross when he could have jumped off. And you and I will face the same temptation when we hit the wall, when we're in a tough time, is to jump off. It's to say, look, faith isn't working. I give up. I'm coming off. Or it's to say, this isn't doing it for me now. Where are you, God? And to bomb out. And some people do that. They, they never get through the cross. They, they stay in this place. But in this moment, if we will stay on the cross... And trust, as Jesus did, the Heavenly Father to drag us through into resurrection. We will become more and more the kind of people that he has created us and needs us to be. God loves you 
and he is utterly committed to this process of transformation. He loved you before you were born. He has this destiny of this for your life and he will love you after you die. The scripture says that God loves us with an everlasting love for eternity, before and for eternity. The, the identity of your life is that you belong to God. You may not feel it, but that is the truth of who you are. See, our faith is not in our love for God because our love for God is fickle and it comes and goes. Our faith is in God's love for us because it's steadfast and certain and persevering. I've said it before, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If God had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He brings you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. Face it, he is crazy about you. There are rich treasures in your life, the other side of the wall. Trust the process. Stay with him on the cross and watch how he pulls you through into resurrection. And this then is the pattern, I suggest, of our lives. Our lives are made up of this, a series of walls. That if we will learn not to numb or to jump, but to stay and trust in the Lord Jesus to pull us through, we become more and more conformed into the image and the extraordinary human beings that God has created us to be. For myself, this is what I find so helpful about this structure. Because I find that every time that I make it through the wall, or rather, I don't think I make it through, I think God pulls me through as I wait on him. I find that I come out to the other side a little bit more broken, but also a bit more honest. A bit more frail, but a bit more, funnily enough, hopeful. A bit less, it all depends on me. And a bit more trusting and releasing and less uptight and more relaxed and more gripping, less gripping onto, I must have this. And I become more, I think, the kind of person that God created us to be. And this is an awareness of his grace and his work that he's doing in us. Yet everything has not gone wrong when you're at the wall. Your heavenly father is at work. That the Holy Spirit is, is going to move you through this journey. And you're going to become more and more who he needs and wants you to be. Does this make any sense? Okay. So let's just finish this off. So at the cross, what you discover is Jesus waiting on the cross and our lives are made up of a series of cross and resurrections. 
But at the cross around Jesus, it says it's people who are waiting with him, the women. That's a whole nother sermon. We could talk about why it's women and not men, shall we? (laughs) But the women are waiting with Jesus. They said they've come from Galilee and they care for him and they support him. Every one of us, when we are at the cross, at a wall, we need the community of other believers around us who will care for us and support us. This is what a church family does. It's what a connect group is for. It's why we go to focus. We don't actually just go to focus our church family weekend away just for us, what we can get out of it. Will it be good for me? We go also to focus because of the blessing that we can be to one another, to support, to encourage, to wait with people and not let them bomb out at the wall. And each one of you may be in church today because you have had people who have done that with you over the years. Because what God needs his church to be is a people full of this kind of love, transformed by his love. People who are able to receive his extraordinary, unconditional, grace-filled, powerful, all-changing love. And to love him back like that. And to overflow with that love to the people who live around us, the people we work with, the people we live with, the people of London. And if he's going to create people like that, then he needs to create people who have certain resilience. Who are not flaky or uncommitted or pull out when they hit hard times. But have learned the journey through the wall. And can you imagine if every one of us all over the church today and everybody online took the pattern of our lives to be this, dying and rising with Christ, death and resurrection. Can you imagine what he would build within us? And then can you imagine people coming into church or people that we encounter who don't yet know God, what they would discover in us? because of who he is making us to be. The goal of our faith, to become day by day, month on month, year on year, a bit more like Jesus. Amen. 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 If you're able to, should we stand together?